With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey gang, quick bit of housekeeping for you before we start the show. And this is only relevant to those of you who listen to us on the Apple Podcasts app or via Apple. So if you don't move along, as the great Obi-Wan Kenobi would say, nothing to see here. But if you do listen to us via Apple, listen carefully, particularly if you're an old school listener of the show. Before we became the Nat Coombs show on ESPN, when we were the NFL show, you would have got the show updated when we moved without having to do a thing. But that's because the old show had a divert put on it. So to check, you'll subscribe to the new feed because the old one is going to go pretty soon. Check out the Nat Coombs show. Search for it on the app via the podcast browse section or the store section if you're looking on the desktop and find our show and see if it shows whether you're subscribed or not. If you are, great, you're on the right feed. If you're not, hit subscribe and delete the old one. So head on over, not in your library, but actually onto Apple. Search the Nat Coombs show. Make sure you're subscribed to the feed that you find. Simple. Good luck. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show, dropping into your podcatcher of choice with all the latest from across the pond. We figured, gang, that we need to be releasing some bonus pods right now, quite frankly, to keep us all sane in these strange old times that we are living through. And thank goodness that we can talk about Marcus Mariota moving to Vegas, because if that isn't the definition of a welcome distraction at the moment, I don't know what is. In fact, since I and Mike dropped our free agency update pod on Friday, so many more deals getting done. So we'll update you on all of that today and plenty more with our special guest, the former England striker, Darren Bent, joins us. Massive Eagles fan, so expect plenty of Philly chat. We will get straight to it. Darren, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? You right? Strange old times. Uh, lockdown in full effect thank god for game pass is what i'm saying oh. and of course being a company man espn player as well we can't we can't forget espn player but and youtube too right that's one of the things everyone seems to be doing a lot of is deep diving into some real gems on on youtube have you been exploring some old school nfl on youtube a little bit here and there yeah i mean as you said it's, it's difficult times with what's going on and obviously with there being no sign of when it's going to end obviously you've got to keep up to date um and as you said you're going back watching old clips i think sky have been showing one or two old footage as well and yeah and things like that so it, to be fair it has been about but you're right i'm always on nfl network i'm always listening to podcasts i mean and it's undisputed obviously i'm sure you guys know that and they're having to do that from skip's house so that's, yeah. that's, <laughs> yeah. that, that's strange as well so i mean it's just strange strange times for everybody but at the same time at least we can get you know, we, can get, we get to watch some bits, but it's just a case of like, when's it going to end and hopefully soon. Well, it's, I mean, the NFL, in, it's a point we've made on the show quite a lot in recent weeks, is clearly benefiting from what is happening to other sports at the moment that are in, in lockdown and that it is dominating the news cycle. And even, I made this point at the top of the show, even since the 
free agency update pod we dropped on Friday, there have been loads of other deals done as well. And we'll talk about those in a bit. We'll talk about uh, your beloved Philadelphia Eagles as well. Mm-hmm. We're going to deep dive in, into into them and some interesting business going on there as well. All yeah. or nothing, I guess, is something you must have been. Have you, have you watched the whole series? Have you have you binged it all? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, it's, I mean, I've, I've loved that show for the last since probably. I think it was the Cardinals was maybe the first one that I watched. Yeah. Um, way back and, and and that was okay but they're getting better and better but it, it was brilliant to um to obviously the Eagles to get on there because it's always interesting like when we went for a tough time last season obviously Carson with the injuries then obviously there was a lot of injuries going on the inconsistencies and it, it was good to skip behind the scenes and, and that's what I like about all or nothing and hard knocks to be fair is that when you watch a lot of say football the football that I used to play documentaries you don't really see too much they kind of keep you on the outside a little bit yeah so for these documentaries you get to dive straight in you're in there when they have to cut players when you have difficult conversations and I think that's something to be fair that the football again that I used to play could maybe take some note from because yeah it's all good you, you want to see obviously the players what they're at training and bits and bobs but you want to see the in-depth stuff whereas I said what my football we don't really do that whereas it's all or nothing it, it was brilliant to see do you think that'll change gradually because you know it's a point that I guess is often made that American football players particularly because of how big high school is certainly college they're just much more used to the media and and collectively a, a, a bit more media savvy that is obviously changing but even if you look at something like all or nothing and you look at the Juventus documentary and you compare that not just how the players and the coaching staff are, are reacting to having the cameras around them the control in terms of editing but gradually that will change and we'll start to see football documentaries that are a little bit closer to the real thing in the same way that the American ones are. Yeah, hundred percent. I hundred percent agree with you because I, I was thinking back to the Manchester City documentary where you yeah. saw bits, but you wanted to see more. And I, I'm I'm always under that like, kind of the assumption where, with someone like a Manchester City or these big clubs that are winning that on Sky all the time, you're not really going to know too much more by watching what they do when you play them on a Saturday. Anyway, it's not like you're going to give right. any secrets away because do you know what I mean? It's not like all of a sudden, right? We've watched this documentary, we know how to beat them because ultimately they've still got better players. So. It, for me, it doesn't really change too much, but you're right. I do think in America, in American sports college, straight into obviously to the NFL, even NBA and things, because there's, some of them are superstars in college with some of the gates, they get 60,000, 70,000. You're right, they're already ready for the media, the, the, the uncomfortable questions, the circus that goes about when you're a superstar in America. So I, I always think that sometimes when youngsters kind of get into the first team in football in this country they can kind of get lost of it. And even when you hear them speak, you can tell they're uncomfortable. They're not quite used to it. They're not quite sure what to say, what not to say. Whereas in America, because they're used to the cameras being in the locker room, maybe not in college, but obviously being superstars, as I said, big gates, people are absolutely loving them. By the time they get to the NFL, they're, they're already ready to go. Yeah, 21, 22 years old, and they've, they've already had three, four years experience of it. Exactly. I guess also as well, like we noticed, you know, I've noticed this broadcasting you know, for different channels over the years, that every time you, you go to a Super Bowl, for example, and, you know, the whole world is in town, the amount of current players, and again, we, you know, on our talk sport broadcast, you know, we were, you know, three, four deep with, with current or recently retired players uh, that are already pushing for a broadcast career. You know, you're someone who's obviously transitioned from being professional to, to a broadcaster, and the NFL have got the broadcast boot camp where it is actually, a, 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 as the name suggests, like a fast-tracking to hosting or anchoring, being an analyst, commentary, if that's the way you want to go. Um, is there anything, have you ever heard of equivalent like that over here in terms of, uh, so, you know, 
professional footballers ever here can do a, a equivalent of a broadcast boot camp. Because if not, I think we've just stumbled across a pretty decent, pretty decent business idea in the first five minutes of the pod. Do you know what? Right, um, and this is saying that that there there are like broadcast say classes or things around, but for whatever reason, they seem to be quite hush hush. Like, do you right. know what I mean? That is, it's, it's really strange. Like, I've heard a few people say they've been here. I mean, I've never heard of one because I find in this country it's kind of sink or swim. Like, they kind of yeah. just throw you out there. Yeah, right. And, and do you know what I mean? They kind of throw you out there, and it just depends how you do. If you do well, you'll come back. If not, then we won't see you again. And it's kind of that kind of attitude over here. But I think there are broadcast classes because I've asked a few people before when I was first starting out. Like, is there any way I can go to get better, like, better media training to do this, do that? And they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of this, I've heard of that. But as far as actually getting there and, and getting some kind of clarification, like, where I'm actually going, like, who's running it? Like, before I know, this person doesn't even exist. Yeah. So it was, it, was, it, was just a case of, it was just a case of me having to just basically learn every show I do, I try and pick up something from that show. So whether I do a, a breakfast show or an afternoon show or it's a TV show, I always try and take little bits there, and then try and maybe try and watch it back, listen to bits of it, and see where I can improve, where I could have explained myself better, where I could have been a bit clearer. So it's, it's kind of learning on the job as you go along. We have definitely stumbled across, I think, uh, a decent idea there. The UK equivalent of the NFL broadcast boot camp. Let's get that right. Let's go. I'm scratching down notes uh, right now. So why, the, why Philly? Uh, and also, what era are you? So you're... Um, what sort of mid thirties, right? So, did you? When did you first find out and 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 start to watch the NFL? How old were you? So, I'd probably say probably early two thousands. Okay. Um, so, I, I remember going. I, w- I was watching NFL on on TV. My friend, who's a Falcons fan, he's been a, a NFL fan for years, and I've always liked it. But when when I was playing, more so, I was concentrating on playing. Like it was only towards the end where it, it was kind of like where 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 I thought you know what I, I, I more like this sport like so I'm going to take more care to it. So probably for the first part I'd watch it just for the sake of watching it. But my mate was always getting on to me about you need to pick a team, you need to pick a team. Then it was about I think about 2008 maybe 2007. I went on preseason to Philadelphia. Um, saw the stadium, uh, trained there for a little bit, went back over there to watch a game. And from that, I just fell in love with the place. Like, I love Philadelphia as, as, as a place. I love the history about it. I love the culture in Philly. Um, I think it was Donovan McNabb or Michael Vick was the quarterback at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was probably McNabb, I guess, because it was Vick. Vick was we a couple just, of years after, wasn't he? Yeah. We, we, just, around 2010, just, I think. So we got to the Super Bowl uh, and Terrell was still there, Owens. Yeah, oh yeah, T.O., you sure? So, um, and just from then, like, I, I fell in love with the place. It was looked up for the results. But I'd probably say the last 10 to 15 years, I've uh, really, like, religiously watched them all the time. Do you know what I mean? Always on the website, always on Instagram. Kind of fell in love with it. Then we went back there, funny enough. I was at Aston Villa, and we went back there in about 2013. And that's where, obviously, I met Michael Vick and things like that, and it was brilliant. Vick, I mean, what a, what a, a seminal player Vick was, and... You know, obviously he had his challenges is off the field, but the way wow. that he, yeah, that's probably an understatement, isn't it? But the, I mean, when you think about that, that rehabilitation, both off the field and where he is now, of course, he's, he's in, gone into broadcasting and, and flying. But, you know, after everything that went down and, uh, and he really was a, a figure of vilification, but the way that he bounced back, and I remember, uh, you're doing a game with him after the comeback and it was, for a while, it was, it was like watching, it's not watching a video game, and this is everything 
taking into account everything he'd done up to that point as well. But but the comeback, you know, for a while was was exceptional stuff. He was such a such an important player, I think, in the in the evolution of the of the quarterback position, wasn't he? Well, yeah, I think without him, we don't see people like La, uh, Lamar Jackson, that, that type of that kind of running running back way, quick, but also can throw the ball. But yeah, Michael Vick, I mean, obviously he had what he had off the field. Um, but what I like about when I hear Michael Vick speaks, I really enjoy listening to him speak when he speaks about young quarterbacks. And, yeah. and obviously when he was at Philly, it's just how like humble he is and how much he's willing to help the younger generation come through. And, and he never shies away from what he done. He knows what he did was wrong. But at the same time, he was given another opportunity said, to come back. And I think he's a brilliant broadcaster. But as I said, I love yeah. listening to him speak. He's, he's very honest. And I think that's one thing about broadcasting I've found is that you have to be honest. Too, too many for me, was in any sport really, NFL, football, whatever, they sit on the fence without really giving their, their honest opinion. But when Michael Vick's sitting there, like I listen, as I said, that's the podcast all the time. He always gives his honest and open opinion. And I think that is, that is refreshing. But as I said, what, what, with the way he played the game, that, that cannon of an arm, but how quick he was, I don't think we'd see the evolution of the, the running quarterback. Yeah, it's hugely important player. So he's, he's one of your favorite uh, Eagles. Who else? I guess Dawkins. Is Dawkins up there? Who, who are your favorite Philly players of all time? Uh, you know what? I love Theo. I mean, listen, I know, I know, <laughs> I, I know what he did, obviously, the way he kind of, tore the team apart. I mean, I've, I've heard contract... Listen, I don't know Tio, so I can't obviously... I can only speculate like the rest of us, but when you hear contracting stories, like you listen to um, some people speak about him, like if you listen to Donovan McNabb speak about him, you're going to say that he was the, probably the worst teammate ever. Yeah. But you, you listen to other guys who, who talk about him, they say that he was he was the best teammate ever. So, and even, I think even Andy Reid has even spoke about him and, and he's talk about how, how, what, a, what a player he was. So for me, I'd have to say Tio was probably the most exciting player who I love watching. And even after he obviously left off, I still went on to keep watching him because I, I really wanted him to go on and win a, a Super Bowl. But obviously, unfortunately, he never did. Yeah, he was, he, I mean, there are obviously the, the receiver position anyway is typically kind of brings out those kind of characters. Yeah. And uh, indeed, there was a gold near at that stage of he had Ochocinco as well. Mm. Uh, Tio was, uh, was the, the, I guess, the poster boy for explosive delivering on the field as well and just r- ridiculous <laughs> off the field shenanigans that made him, I think, for neutrals as well, like, compelling. And the NFL's worse off without players like that. But yeah, it's interesting how you read. And you talk to... Talk to players in other situations who have played with players like Tio, who mm. seem to be very polarizing. And it's fascinating how that this division in a locker room where half the people, half yeah. the players are totally buy into it and are cool with that. And, and others, as you say, look at them as really, really negative and, and distracting. Was that the same? Did you find, I mean, obviously in, in football, there isn't the equivalent of particularly of a, of a, of a wide receiver or corners and that kind of gregarious over the top kind of figures but did you find that in in dress rooms that you played in that there were certain large more larger than life players who divided the dressing room and, and half your teammates thought look i'm really glad he's around not just because of what he does on the field but he's just a brilliant part of this team and and other you know, obviously i'm not expecting you to name names but players <laughs> that polarized polarized the dressing room well yeah i mean if you look at um say the position i played center forward like, yeah they were, people would just say strikers are a different breed because obviously I must I put myself in this bracket where the team might win five nil and you're happy that the team's won, but if I've not scored a goal in a fight and we've won five, I'm not happy about it. 
But I think back <laughs> then, when I was playing, that was kind of the norm. Like, people would understand that. They could tell that a centre-forward, if a team had won by a large margin and the centre-forward hadn't got a goal, especially if you're a goal-scorer, then there'd be problems. People would be angry. I wouldn't be angry, but I'd be upset and I wouldn't really say anything in the change room. Yeah, I'm happy for the result, but I'm thinking, how can my team score five and I've not got one? And But also as well, when I was obviously <laughs> first coming up as well with the social media, it wasn't that big. So it it was okay. Everyone was kind of on a, lay, a, a level platform as such. But with social media today, you could have some players in a, in a dressing room that have got 15 million followers and mm. others that have got 100,000. Uh, straight away, there's a divide there because... You're gonna have half the you're gonna have half the team thinking, well, hold it, is he concentrating more on his social media? We've seen it. You look at teams like Manchester United, they've got some big Instagrammers there, Paul Pogba, Jesse Lingard. Now these guys have come under like unfair unfairly, by the way, scrutinised about their social media. Right. Because people people have seen it as well, they care more about that than actually performing on the pitch. Like, but Pogba's there's, there's a the difference, right? You look at the I mean what we were saying earlier, like in America, not just the you know, within the, the team organization, right? But the fans as well, it's part of the gig that they accept that. That is, you would never get a Jesse Lingard situation where a player, okay, you've got Antonio Brown, say, who's, who's taking oh, wow. his he's social well. media to another level. <laughs> <laughs> but, but putting that aside, just, at, just using social media and being, you know, multi-channel and, uh, you know, contemporary in how you're communicating is is completely accepted there. But you're right over here, certainly in England, Ooh. there is, is it a, you know, a vociferous bunch that are slagging off players for doing that. It's crazy, isn't it? It's honestly, it's crazy. But I, I guess it all comes down to, and I'm a, I'm a big believer in this, it does come down to production. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you're producing on the pitch, then don't, and, but you're still social media people have not been saying anything. Like you, you might rub some of the more senior players up the wrong way, being on social media the whole time. But if you're producing the, the goods on the pitch and playing really, really well, then pretty much no one's going to say anything. But yeah. the, moment your perfor- the moment your performance and your production goes out the window and you're not scoring as many goals or creating or working hard, you're opening yourself up for it because you right. can't escape it nowadays. You can't escape it nowadays. You play poorly. It used to be you play poorly. All you had to worry about was getting stick from the newspapers or maybe a couple of TV shows. Now, the mo- even while the game's going on, you make a bad pass, someone could just tweet or Instagram it straight away there before you've even finished the game. So as I said, yeah. if, you, if, you produ- if your production's bad, then you've got to be able to have thick skin and take it because when it's good and you're getting all the praise, yeah, it's brilliant, it's lovely. But the moment you're not doing that, then you've opened yourself up to, for criticism. This is so true. And, and actually bringing that back to T.O. and Ocho Cinco, you know, you, I mean, when, when you got T.O. dancing on the star and my favourite um, Chad Johnson celebration, do you remember the Hall of Fame jacket? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. But yeah, if you're delivering it, then everybody rolls with it. But if you're not, then yeah, it's it's harder harder to take. I guess as well that like we... Um, we chatted to Jalen Ramsey last summer before he before he left, and is that before he was doing all that talking? Yeah, well, no, he'd already done plenty of talking actually yeah. by that stage. It's one of those interviews where you think this, you know, you know, you're going to do the interview. And we had a one on one with him. This could go either way, you know. And we caught him because he was doing a promo tour of, of London. And again, those can go either way because either players are quite relaxed and they haven't done much media, so they're quite up for it, or. You know, conversely, they've just been flogged to death and, you know, you're the 17th interview of the day. <laughs> they don't want to be there. But he was in a really um, quite a thoughtful mood. And I think, you know, like a lot of NFL players, when particularly when they either when they come to the UK or we're out there doing stuff over there, when they re- when the penny drops that after a couple of minutes, it isn't just a, 
you know, a, a British sports media organization that, yeah, that of course, yeah. doesn't know what's going on here, that you kind of realize, you realize we cover the game, that their, their perception changes. What he was really interesting on in particular was, um, and he, he was talking about the, you've seen the Dion Sanders 30 for 30 documentary. I've not seen that. Uh, I'm trying one. to find that. It's on, um, so again, company man, ESPN players got all the 30 for 30s on there. If, uh, if you check them out there and I think, um, they're just rolled on a loop as well on, you know, mm-hmm. on BT ESPN, but the uh, cornerbacks and receivers, similar kind of thing, right? They are larger than life a lot of the time. And I was asking him why, because Sanders was the prototype in the same way, I guess, T.O. and, and Chad yeah. Johnson were, uh, for, for, you know, receivers of, of, of our generation and or the, the latter generation, the same with Dion Sanders and, he in the documentary without spoiling it too much talks about how he had an alter ego essentially prime time where he would just shift and morph into that alter ego when he was playing and i was talking to ramsey saying do you, do you feel like that do you have this because he's got this 2.0 <laughs> persona right and mm. uh i said do you feel that that is a that is you but it isn't you is that an extension of an expansion exaggeration of your character he said yeah you know he, he very much given that particular role as well where you're on your own all eyes on you. If you make a mistake, it is almost always down to you. Even when it's not, you're going to get the blame. You have to create this, uh, this persona just to weather the storm and to weather the, the pressure. It's really, really fascinating. And I think that, that explains a lot why receivers, uh, certain quarterbacks and definitely cornerbacks, uh, are amongst the larger than life characters. Speaking of which, Darren, let's talk about, oh, we'll bring it back to all or nothing. Uh, one of the things that made me laugh was the, the DNA boys. <laughs> the, yeah, the, yeah. The short, that wasn't quite, didn't quite flow, did it? That the, the, the Agal or Jeffrey Jackson, the DNA boys didn't, <laughs> particularly you after the well. You know what? After the first game of the season, um, I mean, I, I took, um, Deshaun in my fantasy football team. Um, right. But I got, I got him, I got him late on. Yeah. Um, but after that first game, I said yes, but obviously he picked up the injuries. Oh, um, we, it was a shame. It looked so um, good. It looked brilliant. Um, and obviously the chemistry of him and Carson Wentz looked like it was going to be saying for the season that was going to be deep threat. Brilliant. Um, I see Alshon injured, injury as well, but just Nelson Aguilar, I think he was like, he was a big problem. I know he obviously got memed a lot with obviously the guy who was catching the babies up and burning, the burning building and all that. Yeah, right, right. But when, when you actually look back, um, through the documentary and, and when you, when you watch, like when I was watching, I'd, I'd always have my NFL game pass with the Eagles on my, my iPad on the sofa and yeah. then red zone on my TV. Um, but when you actually go back and have a look at the amount of passes that he did drop, it's no wonder that he, he took so much criticism. And obviously now ultimately he's no longer here anymore, but it was way too many drops. And I said with Deshaun's injuries, Alshon's injuries, we had some real depth there. Do you know what I mean? You thought, well, three competent receivers that can all catch the ball, but for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. And other people were asked to step up, which they did to be fair. Well, Aguilar's look at the deal he's done with the Raiders. It is, I mean, it's pretty brutal. I mean, if you can describe a deal worth a million dollars as brutal, but I mean, relatively speaking, could you see where he was? I mean, he's pretty much now at league minimum. So, I mean, he is really got, uh, if he's going to bounce back uh, there, he's got a you know, huge amount to prove to kind of get back on, back on an even keel. You mentioned Carson Wentz and the connection he had with Deshaun Jackson. Mm. Where are you with, with Carson? In uh, I mean, he's had an interesting career, isn't he, in, yeah. in so many ways. And I guess it must be must be so difficult to be at an organization when you're the main guy and you get injured and your oh. backup comes <laughs> and does what he did. I mean, and, and what are the, you know, the, the legendary performances in Super Bowl history, uh, obviously a legendary season for, for Philadelphia. And then you've got to pick up 
where you left off before you were injured. Yeah, I mean, that, that, how much is that playing, do you think, on his mind a little bit? Do you know what, right? And it, it was so tough for him because you think about you think about the season that he was having before he got injured. I mean, he was he was yeah. going to be he was going to be the MVP yeah. quite comfortably. Um, gets the injury. I think it was against the Rams, wasn't it? He, he got an ACL against the Rams. Yeah. Through, through, through the touchdown with an ACL, and that was him. Then obviously Nick Foles comes in, does what he does. Obviously played probably the, the championship game fantastic against the Minnesota Vikings, and then beats obviously the Patriots in the final. And you're right. And not only that, because I, I didn't realize when I, until I watched All or Nothing as well. There's a statue of Nick Foles outside the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, so for me that that it's got to be difficult. I mean, I've been in certain situations where I've got injured, someone's come in, played really well, scored a lot of goals, and I find myself out of the team. Mm. It's, it, it, it's brutal. And you're right, it is going to be playing in his mind because I even heard that the, the Philadelphia Eagles um, players built a shrine for Nick Foles in the dressing room. And I, I do believe that the, the organisation, in order for Carson events to move forward, they had to move Nick Foles on. I, th- I think they yeah. had to do that because if he's there, he's always going to remind you. And to be fair, not last season, the season before, I thought it was going to happen again. He, he goes down and gets injured again. Nick Foles comes in, and if it was not for uh, Alshon, it going through his hands, he might have gone on another run. Yeah. So for so for Carson Wentz, it's, it has been a difficult time again this season. He was a bit up and down, but I did think he done played brilliantly well the last five six games of the season, and then obviously concussion protocol, which I thought was maybe a bit of an illegal hit, I might add, but obviously it, it was it wasn't called. Um, but all he has he been is, the same player since the injury? Do you think? Because his mobility no. for a while definitely wasn't the same. No, and I think I think it, it's got to play on your mind. Like I know what it's like, obviously being a footballer before. If I've injured something before, it's probably going to take you about a year, year and a half, just to kind of get back to normal. Is in regards to not so tentative. Mm. Do you know what I mean, when, when people and in that sport as well, where you're talking about three hundred pound guys flying at you as quick as they can, it's, it's going to make you a little bit uncomfortable. So it, it will take him a little while to get back to, to we know he can. But as I said, he's shown signs the last five, six games of the season where he was absolutely sensational. He was brilliant. And he was throwing to effectively backups of backups of backups. Do you know what I mean? So he, he, he was playing effectively very, very well. But I think next season, if, if there is another season, if, if, that, if that does come about, I think it'll be even better again this year. Well, he needs weapons, of course. And, you know, we mentioned Aguilar is gone. There's not much left in free agency, right? You've got... Robbie Anderson still on the market, Taylor Gabriel, those kind of that level of player. And it is, I guess, quite slim pickings in terms of the receiver market anyway. So do you think they'll be looking to the, the, the draft? I mean, they need to re-up in that position. Or do you feel that there are younger players on the depth chart that can step up next season? How do you think the front office are going to approach what is, is an obvious need for, for Philly? Well, I do, I do like Robbie Anderson, um, but I think I know he's got obviously issues off the field. Um, which which haven't helped him, and but I do think he is good. But you look at last season when people like Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, these guys kind of stepped up. Yeah, uh, Greg Ward Jr. Like yeah. these these guys really really stepped up when we really needed it, and it was a little bit of an anomaly because you don't really expect guys because these guys weren't even backup. These guys were like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, backups of backups. As I Boston said Scott was a player that we're all looking at. Uh, you know, like who? Where did he? <laughs> we know no one knew when he when he blew. Up. I mean, you always get a few players like that, but it's right and uh, and Miles Sanders in particular. Um, I mean, how excited are, are, are you about his ceiling, his potential? Well, that, that's what I'm, saying. I'm hoping that last season, because you know what it's like, and it's the same again, and this is where sports crossover is, that when you're an unknown quantity, people don't quite know how to deal with you. So whatever right. you do is a surprise. So you're catching people unawares. But, you know, NFL I mean, defenders, they're, they're, they're clever, they're smart. So they'll obviously watch the tape, they'll study her, and it's, it's about what he can do this season. Um, but I am excited about him. I think he's a very good receiver. He, he catches some fantastic balls. He, he rarely drops anything. And what I like about him, he's brave and he's tough. 
I think I think that's that's that is a, a, a quality that will separate really the men from the boys. Really, but you know you're going to get hurt, but you still manage to, to hang on to the ball. Yeah, absolutely. The I mean, the Anquan Bolden uh, style player is yeah, just going into the danger yeah, yeah, exactly. and not worrying. What uh, What do you make of the deals that have happened in uh, kind of two? Elite players, one in, one out. Darius Slade coming in, he's a hell of a, hell of a corner. And it seemed to have gone really yeah. pear-shaped with, with him at Detroit. And one, once I think they dealt Quandre Diggs, the writing was on the wall. And it, afterwards he said it, he'd fallen out with Patricia or certainly lost respect for Matt Patricia. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Um, so Slade, terrific. But then Malcolm Jenkins, what a player he is going the other way. So how do you feel about the Eagles off season in terms of free agency so far? Yeah, the Jenkins one was sad to see. I mean, he's mm. been there for six years. He's been out for six years. Um, but even when you when you watch the All or Nothing documentary again, and this is what I'm talking about, the in-depth stuff, like how much of a leader he is in that dressing room. Do you know what I mean? When, when he's yeah. talking to the players, do you know what I mean? When things are not going well, obviously he's been there, done it before, so he knows how to get the, the players back on side. Like, And he, he's kind of, in every organisation, you need that kind of glue, that glue figure that brings it all together. And I think by letting Malcolm Jenkins go, it, it, it's t- it's tough. I know we still got people like Fletcher Cox there and people like that, but Malcolm Jenkins was seen the like the, the pillar, like the cornerstone of of, of the franchise. So that that would be sad mm-hmm. to see him miss. But listen, he signed a great deal with the Saints, and that makes them stronger. So obviously, again, they're going to be one of the favourites again next season. Um, obviously, obviously Drew Brees returning there, but I like Darius Slay as well. And cornerback for us last season was a problem, was an issue, because, huge issue, isn't it? Yeah, because D- Darby was supposed to be our number one corner, and people were targeting him, and that tells you. In itself, if you're supposed to be the number one, you look at some of the greats over the years, like Richard Sherman, people like that, you keep the ball away from them. Whereas with Derby, people are throwing the ball towards him. Right. They, feel, they, they feel they can get the best out. They can yeah. get, like, get things from him. So for me, that, that, that weren't going to work at all. But yeah, with Darius Slay, I mean, yeah, I heard the stuff about him and Matt Patricia and Matt Patricia apparently balling them out in front of the, the whole team about him being friendly with a wide receiver. So for us, listen, it, it's going to be fantastic. It was an issue. I think we've solved that issue. And, and hopefully, we, you know, we get some weapons and offense and we, we should be fine. We were talking about that on uh, on radio on Sunday. Greg Brady is obviously a regular on on this show as well. And I were doing a show and uh, he was making the point. Actually, no, on my bad. It was Brandon Flowers was making this point, I think. Um, uh, the, the, it, the Patriot way, of course, is instilled in Patricia. And this is Belichick's way that he was saying there are stories that came out that, you know, posted a Super Bowl winning season. <laughs> There'll be plenty of those for the Patriots. Uh, oh. There would be a full team meeting and... Uh, Belichick would call out Brady like in front of the team and you know and not worry about who had made a mistake or uh, and not worry about the repercussions there as well and and in some respects uh, in many respects I, I respect that you know but I guess that and this is the point that was made on on the show that when you've achieved what Belichick has achieved that is a more feasible way of approaching it but Patricia it's a difficult call when you're a young head coach and particularly if you come from an organization with so much success so you have won I mean Patricia's been instrumental in a number of those Super Bowl wins right then he goes and gets his head coaching gig he wants to echo and imitate uh, the way that he's been brought up and learned but he hasn't really done very much and he confronts someone like Slay and, and clearly just completely backfired it's a, a tricky situation isn't it? Do you know what? It is a tricky situation and you're totally right on what you're saying, but it, it all comes down to a level of respect and also, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's respect and, and Belichick's been in the game a long, long time experience. Mm. Yes. So when, when you've got an experienced manager like Belichick who's been in charge forever and he's got a certain way of doing things, players are going to respect him. 
Like players are going to go, well, listen, look at the Patriots. Look how many Super Bowls there is. Look, look what he's done. So players are going to respect that. But after, when, when you've got Matt Patricia, who's trying to be a kind of a carbon copy of Belichick, but he's got nothing to show for it, really. Yes. Got no head coach Super Bowls, no... People are going to go, well, hold a second here, you're not Belichick. Do you know what I mean? So, so all of a sudden, like, calm yourself down. Now, after yeah. that for managers where they've tried to carbon copy someone who they've learned their trade-off, and you, you look at them thinking, you're not that person. For instance, Bel- Belichick's way works for Bill Belichick because that's mm. how he is. Whereas Matt Patricia's got to find a way. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for taking the best bits of Bel- Bill Belichick way he feels that's going to develop him as a coach. But don't try and be a complete carbon copy because players, players know, one thing I've always found is that players know when someone's genuine and when they're not. Right. When you're in Bill Belichick's company, you, you tell that he's genuine. You, can, you sense it with, with the great coaches and managers and ones that are genuine. You sense not fear, but you, you, you know that if you've made a mistake, oh, this ain't going to end well, or I know he's going to come for me. But when they're a carbon copy, you kind of go, well, I know this isn't genuine. I know you're just trying to play up ultimately for the cameras. Yes. So I, I, know this isn't, I know this isn't genuine. And I feel that's kind of the way Matt Patricia's going about it as well with the Detroit Lions. That is fascinating. Really, really interesting insight. And I guess as, well, as you were talking, I was remembering um, the... Troy Palomalu uh, on the, uh, the Steelers America's game, the most recent Super Bowl win, I think, when he talked about Tomlin and Tomlin was a really young head coach or well, still is a young head coach. But when he first yeah. got the gig, like a really young head coach and he, uh, Palomalu said he remembered their first training session and the way that Tomlin handled it, which was with authority and, and no nonsense style. But he said everybody walked away from that huddle with respect. And he said, and this is Polamalu, one of the all-time yeah. greats and an absolute leader in that locker room. Tom and Lassie caught them and, um, and, and got their respect from, from day one. Let's talk uh, and wrap with some of the deals that have been done outside of the Eagles. And, and obviously I want to get your perspective on the Brady to the Bucks situation mm. and what that means for the Patriots and whether you think that there is still one more in the tank for, for, for Brady, given the weapons he's got around cool. him now and, Bruce Arians as well. I mean, it's going to be exciting to watch if nothing else, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it's it's, it's going to be what I'm I'm really fascinated about this season is because now we're going to finally see is it the is it the Belichick Patriot way or is it was it Brady? Like, right. Obviously, was it the system or was it Brady that made the system work? And right. that, that is what one thing I'm I'm really excited to see. Um, I mean, I've, I've read this morning. I don't know how true it is. Maybe Cam Newton's in in line, maybe to go to the Patriots. That would be amazing, so that, that, right? That would be unbelievable. So I think in that regard, I don't think you'd be too far off again Patriots, which means they'll be there or thereabouts again, which I hate because I don't like the Patriots. <laughs> but with, with, but, with, but with Brady. I mean, listen, with the weapons he's got in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, people like that, I mean, wow. He, he, he probably couldn't have asked to go to a, a better situation. But the only thing about Bruce Arians, he, he likes to throw the ball down the field. And Brady doesn't really do that. So it, it, it's how, how that's going to work. But I'm sure Brady, he's Brady. I mean, he'll figure it out. And as you said there, other than probably Gronk, these are probably the, the two best wide receivers he's had since probably maybe 07. Yeah, with Randy yeah, Moss, yeah. maybe. With Marty Moss, yeah, exactly. And you made, as soon as you said that, you made me think he kind of hasn't hasn't done that because he hasn't hasn't been able to really hasn't really no, had exactly. the weapons around him to, to go to go deep all the time. So that that alone is a great point you make. It's a really intriguing aspect of of that partnership and and Cam to the Patriots. If that happens, is is equally fascinating as well in terms of a a, a different kind of move from. Uh, from Belichick and, and McDaniels. Uh, since we did the free agency pod on Friday, Todd Gurley to Atlanta was another deal that, that went down. That is a, that is fascinating too, because we talk about 
Aguilar and how quickly he's fallen off a cliff. Obviously, a different kind of player and different level of achievement that Gurley uh, has built up over over the last four or five years. But but clearly, he is not the player he was a couple of years back. Although towards the end of last season, we saw flashes of the Todd Gurley of a few years ago. So, do you think this could be a deal that revitalizes him, or do you just get a sense that he's he's too banged up, that he's taken too many knocks, and he'll never be that player again? Um, I mean, last season, I mean, you could tell that he, he, he was hurt, but we saw we saw signs of that when he had that unbelievable run when they got to the the, the Super Bowl. The last four or five games, I think he shared carries with um, was it Anderson because I, he, he was quite banged up. Yes. So, um, you could tell that maybe he wasn't quite right. And even last season, he just didn't look like he had that explosive burst. Um, but listen, him in Atlanta, I mean, you, you put him, obviously, you've got Julio, obviously, for me, who's the best wide receiver in the game. Um, then you've got Todd Gurley. If he can somehow get back to the level, of, is he Julio's um, your favourite receiver? Yeah, I think he's the best in in the, in the NFL. Yeah, for me by far, I think he's unplayable. He, and he's also, I mean, bear in mind what we were talking about earlier. No show, no nonsense, nothing. Consummate professional, isn't he? Just gets on with it. Just lets that, lets the play do the talking. And and that's why I like him so much because you're right. He doesn't moan when he doesn't get his carries, and he just gets on with it. But he's somebody that you have to. He's, sometimes his stats don't look great. Like when you look at him, sometimes on the fa- the fantasy football at times, it's not particularly great because he's getting doubled and tripled. But why would he not? Because he's, as I said, he's powerful, he's quick, he's strong. But obviously, with that, and then you had Todd Gurley. If Todd Gurley can somehow get back to anywhere near the level that he was at when he had that year they got to the Super Bowl, then wow, that is just going to open up, obviously, that's going to, for himself, there'll be lanes there because of a Julio being double teamed, but also as well, they might have to stack the box and that might leave Julio 1v1, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, if they right. can get him back to some, some sort of level, then I think the Falcons will be in business again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, a lot of people writing off Matt Ryan, which is crazy town to me. Uh, Marcus Mariota going to the Raiders as well. That's an interesting deal, obviously, uh, with the Tannehill re-upping in, in, uh, Tennessee, that meant Mariota's days are numbered. But uh, clearly, I just don't feel that Gruden rates Derek Carr. Like, there are all these kind of rumors flying around. And you talk about when you can tell a head coach is being genuine or not. And you look at the a lot of the statements that Gruden has made. He's my guy. He's my guy. And you're just not buying it, are you? You just don't buy that he, he is into Carr. So do you think there might be a, a quarterback controversy and a battle in, in preseason in training camp for the starting gig there? Potentially, yeah, because when when you watch the was it Hard Knocks um, and it was uh, the, the Oakland Raiders when um, Antonio Brown was there, yes, like Gruden when 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 Gruden was and... there, <laughs> yeah, it, it it just didn't seem it just didn't seem genuine. And even when he was talking to Derek Carr and he was like, "Yeah, I love you, man, I love you, man," it, yeah, it still just didn't it still just didn't seem like it was, it was genuine. It. Right? No, I wasn't buying it. And you're right; it doesn't seem like he he, he likes Derek Carr, and it, it might have a bit of a um, a controversy there with Marcus Mariota. But at the same time, is uh, for me, you have got two quarterbacks really that are on the kind of level playing field. So it's it's about whichever one in training camp could, can show that he's he he, he can do the business will get the starting job, but also as well, I think when you've got two quarterbacks that are kind of at the same kind of level, it, it, it sometimes could be a bit of, not a burden, but it can be kind of a positive because then you know that you could put one in, it's not going to let you down. If one gets injured, you've still got another capable one there, but then it comes down to whoever's not playing, do they want to sit there and be a backup? That, that That's the difficulty right. that he's going to find himself in, the conundrum that he's going to have. We've got a lot of questions in for you, but we are tight for time, so I'm going to throw one at you before we get out of Dodge. So Josh Edwards, thanks Josh, at the NC Show is obviously how you follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. This one's come from Twitter. Uh, he says, Darren, ever watch the NFL in Ipswich when you played for us? Riley's near Portland Road used to show it every Sunday. No, I was too young then. 
I was young when, 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 when I was a kid. I mean, I left Ipswich early. To, I left Ipswich in 2005. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so before that, like it was, it was. I was too young as to be going to bars and all that. To get, yeah. I mean, I used to play snooker. I used to play snooker in Riley's, but other than watching the NFL and that, no, I never got to do that. To be fair, I wish I had done now. Now I know that I wish I had done. If uh, you knew now what you needed, didn't know then or whatever. How exactly. the saying goes. Darren, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, man, and uh, really, you. really interesting insight into so many different things. Enjoy as much as you can this this crazy period. Deep dive, uh, superstars. Nineteen eighty-seven is my tip. Go and look that up on, on YouTube. Right now. Herschel and Walker the th- and, the 30, and the thirty and thirty. So, 30, 30, 30 yeah, exactly. Well. Go check that out. Yeah, with Dion Sanders. Enjoy that, man, and check it with you soon. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you very much. Lovely stuff from Darren. Hopefully checking in with him very, very soon. That's it for this episode, but plenty more. That came from our regular pod dropping later on this week, each and every Thursday throughout the offseason. And as I said, at the top of the show, we'll be rolling out plenty of bonus pods to keep you busy in these tough old times over the coming weeks and months. So stay tuned and hang in there, gang. We'll see you Thursday. Bye for now. Podcast Network.